to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you unstained at his glorious throne. To Jesus, our Savior, be glory and majesty and power and honor. To Jesus alone. The word of God before us this morning is from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. Here is something unusual for you to consider doing with your children or your grandchildren or your nieces and nephews. Consider taking a walk with them through a cemetery. Ideally, pick one where you know some of the people buried there and if at all possible, especially pick one where you know some Christians whose bodies are buried there. Walking through a cemetery, children can absorb many life truths, life lessons. For one thing, they can absorb the reality that a whole lot of people have lived and done a whole lot of things long before you and I ever came along. For another, you could take a moment to stop at any one of the tombstones and look at the dash. We all know the dash between the date of birth and the date of death is that little short line. And that reminds them and reminds us that life is short. That the time that God has given to you and me on this earth to use our time and our energies and our talents and our relationships and all the opportunities he gives to us, the time to use that on this earth to touch the lives of others is right now. But perhaps most of all, walking through a cemetery with children can be an opportunity to grasp what is going to happen in that cemetery one day. There will be a moment that is awe-inspiring. And the joy and victory for the Christians whose bodies are buried there will be beyond description. Which brings us to the word of God before us this morning. Here's, here's the setting for the Apostle Paul writing to these Christians. The, these Christians living in a, in a town called Thessalonica. It's a big town, about 200,000 people, major city. But these Christians who are living there, they're enduring at this time a lot of persecution, a lot of pushback from people who want nothing to do with Jesus and want nothing to do with Christianity. Also, these Christians living in Thessalonica are very new to the faith. And because they are new to the faith, they are unsure about some things. 
They are unsure as to what the Word of God teaches about certain truths. One of them that they are struggling with is this. They are, some of them are wondering to themselves, well, are fellow Christians who have already died, are fellow Christians who have already died and their, and their bodies are buried, what happens to them when Jesus returns? Will they miss out in some way? And so, because they are so young in the faith, the, the Thessalonian Christians are not yet quite clear on this point. And so that's part of the context for why Paul is moved to write this letter to the Thessalonians. And with that in mind, let's walk through what he has to say in the Word of God before us. We'll take this in sections. First of all, Paul says this, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you do not grieve in the same way as others who have no hope. Now, first of all, he refers to those who have fallen asleep. That's, that's Paul's description of those who have already died trusting in Jesus as their Savior. But then he goes on to say, we do not want you to grieve in the same way as others who have no hope. Paul acknowledges that whenever you experience the death of someone close to you, it's awful. Grief smothers you. It's like walking through a dark desert and you have to walk through it. There's no shortcuts, but you got to walk it. And it creates a kind of pain in you that many of you know this, that it is beyond words. Paul gets that. But he goes on to say, we do not want you to grieve in the same way as others who have no hope. Those who do not know Christ do not have hope when they face death in the face. And hope, as God's word in the New Testament uses it, is different from the hope that the word hope that you and I use today. In the New Testament, hope is a certainty that you and I eagerly look forward to, and we know that is certain because Jesus Christ has secured it. Paul goes on. Indeed, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then in the same way we also believe that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. The Greek word usage that, that Paul employs here, the New Testament Greek, makes it clear that Paul is speaking in certain terms of certainty when he says, indeed, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, according to the word usage, he's making it clear, yes, we do believe that Jesus died and rose again. And because we do, we also believe with certainty that God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep through Jesus. And so all throughout this, Paul is speaking in solid, certain terms. He goes on. In fact, we tell you this by the word of the Lord. We, who are alive and left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not, will certainly not go on ahead of those who have fallen asleep. Remember their concern, these young Christians, 
What about our loved ones who have died in the Lord? When the Lord comes back, will they miss out in some way? Paul is emphasizing through his Greek usage here, certainly not. Certainly not. We will not go on ahead of those who have already fallen asleep in Christ. And then with that, Paul gets into the heart, the heart of what he wants these Thessalonian Christians to know. He says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, and then he mentions three things, with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Let's look at those three. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. The Greek word translated loud command is the same word that that captains on ships would use in speaking to their crew. It's the same word that military officers would use in speaking to to his soldiers. It's the same word that a charioteer would use in speaking to his horses in a chariot race. In other words, it is a shout of authority in the thick of excitement. Loud command with the voice of an archangel. An archangel is one of the high-ranking angels that God uses to carry out his will. Third, with the trumpet call of God. Trumpets at this time are associated with great festivals and celebrations, and in Scripture they are also associated with the resurrection from the dead. Paul goes on. When that happens, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then, and Paul in his word usage emphasizes that this will happen quickly, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Two items in that phrase. First of all, when Paul says that we will be caught up, the word usage there communicates speed and great power. That's how quickly and how decisively you and I will be caught up and then to meet the Lord in the air. The Greek word translated to meet here, the kind of meeting that God's word is describing here, that when you and I will meet with the Lord in the air, is one of high dignity, one that is honorable, and one that is grand. And with that, Paul says, and so we will always be with the Lord. Always. Therefore, he says, encourage one another with these words. Back to walking through the cemetery with your children. You can take an opportunity to stop at a gravestone and talk about the dash, the brevity of life, 
and that the time to use our time and our energies and our gifts and all that the Lord has given to us for touching the lives of others, the time to use that dash is right now. You can take a moment to describe what happens to a Christian at the moment of death. That when a Christian dies in the Lord, that Christian soul immediately goes up to heaven to be in the presence of Jesus. The body remains, whether that body is placed in a casket, whether that and, and buried, whether that body is cremated and placed somewhere, the remains of that person's body are waiting, 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 anticipating of what will come in the future. You can stop at the grave of a particular Christian, whether it's an acquaintance or a friend or someone very, very close to you. You can share a story or two of how that person touched the lives of others during that person's dash on this earth. But then, with that, then you can go on to describe what will happen one day here in this spot, in this cemetery. And you can use the words of Paul. And one day the Lord himself will come down from heaven with, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And when that happens, God will raise up that Christian's body, and he will glorify that body. That body will be absolutely be freed from the presence and the effects of sin. And that glorified body will be reunited with that person's soul so that that Christian body and soul can then join together with all the believers still living on the earth and all of us caught up together there to bask in the joy and the victory of the one who came to purchase full forgiveness on our behalf the one who came here and lived a holy life in our place, the one who came here and carried our every sin to Calvary's cross, the one who raised himself back to life to assure us that because he lives, you and I have eternal life in him. And then we can turn to those children and say, and so you and I will be with the Lord forever. But that's not just a wondrous thing for our children to know. That's a wondrous thing for you and me. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Jesus. Amen.